The Longbox Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codenamed DJ Christatos. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Jared Elbrick, codenamed Death Probe. Sounds like a prescription for danger, Pat. <laughs> that it does. And <laughs> if you've taken too much and things aren't calming down like normal in three hours, Please call the doctor. Please call that you had too much death probe. <laughs> too much death probe. You got too much probe. You better uh, get that. Consult the physician. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've never met this more than I do right now, but at ease, Cristanos. <laughs> oh, 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 I get that. <laughs> and all the green shirts tuning in for this podcast. I want to welcome everybody back to Fort Longbox. We appreciate you tuning in to talk some post-2000 G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through the criminally underrated Devil's Due run. On this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, DJ Cristanos and I are going to rotate in a special ops guest on the show. For this episode, our special ops guest is a return guest. It is Jason Keene, codenamed Weasel Skull. Welcome back, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, my little brother. I mean, my friend, <laughs> my friend, and other friend. Wait, wait uh, that was an odd slip. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Like I was telling you before we started, there was a few things I haven't touched yet. I heard noises coming from the basement, but I wasn't mm. going to touch that door. Don't do um, that. Yeah. yeah. But thanks, guys. This is a lot of fun. So can't wait to talk more, Joe. No, man. It's going to be good times tonight. Now, you've been here before, so you get the follow up question. You've already answered who your three favorite characters are. Now you get to answer the question, what are your three favorite vehicles? What you got for us tonight, Weasel, sc weasel Skull? Weasel Skull. Skull. <laughs> yes. Um, I'll give it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes practice. Uh, let's see. I went back to the mid-80s is when I really came into the line. And two of the toys that I liked a lot came out in 86 the Cobra Raven and the Cobra Stun. And I remember getting both of these at separate times in the year. I'm pretty sure the Stun was for Christmas, and it's just a great toy. It's a lot of fun. It's like you're sitting in the back of a pickup truck up front with a giant cannon on the side of your, you know, <laughs> it's beautiful. I just had to look it up because I had forgotten what it looked like. But yeah, it's like a trike. Yeah. Oh, deal. Yeah, it's got okay. the big Seven. flags is what I remember now. The big Yes. Oh, my <laughs> God. You had to wave those flags proudly. Oh, there was even a Python Patrol version of this that came out later. You know, I had that one, but uh, the black one's my favorite. Now, the Night Raven is the big jet. I mean, all sorts of. I love Jason's that one. Get planes. <laughs> All Jasons get planes. <laughs> All Jasons get planes. So, you know, especially if you ask for the Cobra planes, that's the trick. Not every Jason knows that. Oh, you gotta go for the Cobra planes. Oh, but then, yeah, it was just cool because a giant plane and it had the detachable drone. So it was two toys in one. Mm -hmm. And for my final one, I picked. My version of the Cobra Hiss tank, which was the Cobra Hiss 2. It's the ugly gray one with the red cannon that nobody likes, except for me and a handful of other people. I like troop 
transports. I think I mentioned last time that my brothers and I would line up all of our figures and play together. So having somewhere to put all of your leftover guys was nice. Nice. So, yep, that's my three. Awesome, man. Those are good choices. Cool and unique choices. And I know that Pat is in total agreement with you on that Raven. I know how much Pat loved his Raven. Oh, yeah. That was the Christmas present of Dream Come True that year. You're looking at Cobra's new supersonic jet, the Raven. Cobra Raven. Cobra Raven. There's no haven from the Cobra Raven. Two jet engines, a drop-down cockpit, a hidden bomb port. Now you know it's got twin rear guns and a one-man drone. And it's on the lookout for G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. The adventure of G.I. Joe. Cobra Raven comes with what you see here. Other figures sold separately. Joe, Joe. Night oh, Raven, Night Raven. Raven. Pat knows how to do it. <laughs> you put it in the and then the guy comes out. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was the hardest part of that toy, is the cockpit, because it would kind of just come down from the bottom, and you'd have to kind of pull it out slowly. Otherwise oh, God, yes. And you would lose a piece of it if you yeah, weren't careful. It, it was... I think I had that for about four months before I gave up on using the cockpit and at that point uh, i just taped it shut because oh, my brothers yeah. played rough with things so it was easier just to tape it <laughs> awesome stuff awesome stuff well at this point i'll turn it back over to dj Cristados for this episode's intelligence report for this mission we will be covering gi joe issue number 33 from devil's do the cover date was august 2004 Writer was Brandon Jerwa. Penciler is Tim Seeley. Jason Millant did the backgrounds. Inker is Corey Hampshire. Colorist is Jeremy Roberts. Letterer is Dreamer Designs. And cover art goes to Tom Castillo. Michael Turner was on cover B. And speaking of the cover, Death Probe, please take us through the cover description. Here we go. For cover A, it's a surrealistic cover featuring Hawk, and he's looking sad as he cradles the body of a woman as ghostly, zombified soldiers reach up at him from below. Looming in the background is a broken and jumbled clock. Cover B, like you said, it's a classic Michael Turner drawing of the Wraith, just doing Wraith-like things. So uh, very different covers this month. Some cool ones, but we will talk about it because I'm going to hand it back to Pat. All right, let's go ahead and find out what you guys thought of cover A. And we will start with our guest. Perfect. It's like you're a native speaker. <laughs> cover A, I love what it's trying to do, but this one doesn't work for me. It didn't quite... I didn't recognize who the woman was right away. I didn't realize if, you know, that was supposed to be a character that I was supposed to have known from the original series that was with Hawk. And yeah, I had no, yeah. Yeah, no, don't worry. I don't think we did. Yeah, I didn't know who it was either. It seemed like an episode of the cartoon almost like, you know, oh, and now everybody's a zombie for the whole issue. And that's what I was expecting from that cover just looking at it, but then I saw the other cover, but I'll hold off on that one for right now. But when I saw the first cover, I definitely thought we were getting a 
some kind of zombie issue. Because I think this was around the time of Walking Dead coming out or right before, perhaps, and the mm-hmm. whole zombie craze coming in. Yeah, I think it, we were just on the cusp of that, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's okay. All right. Jarrett, what's your thoughts on it? You know, I largely agree with the weasel skull here because, uh, yeah, like the Tommy Castillo cover A is so very different from the Michael Turner cover B. Tommy's more of a painter and he's, you know, he does all the art, you know, that's that's all Tommy right there. He, okay. he you know, laid it down, uh, the sketch and the painting and all that. That is a painting, period. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a painting. Whereas Michael's is more of a classically done comic book cover. So I, I like Tommy's artistic style and his vision and what he did with it. But I got to go back to what Jason said. It kind of says, hey, there's this zombie thing. There's a surrealistic thing going on here. Spoilers, there's not a whole lot of zombie things going on in the book. There is a lot of surrealism, so it fits. I just feel bad that Tommy had to be on the shelf at the same time as that Michael Turner cover because the Michael Turner cover is much more G.I. Joe. Yeah, I'd give it that. I think the Michael Turner cover is very well streamlined, very well inked with all that stuff that's on the Wraith. He's got some straight, nice, clean lines on there that make his tech really shine. And the coloring on it makes it pop with that. You know, this is that time where they were using some of the digital coloring going on now, just making things just really stand out. Where you go back to cover A, and like Jared, you mentioned it, this is kind of that dreamy kind of escapey thing. So I can see where this painted form comes into play here, where it makes it look kind of, you know, dreamscapey, I guess, to me, of what's kind of happening with the zombies and him holding this woman. I Yeah, I didn't know who the lady was. I'm trying to look at her going, well, what, uh, Joe, or maybe... Uh, even a cobra. I'm like, is that Baroness? Maybe I, I don't know. I thought Baroness too at first. I was thinking that as well. But yeah, it's it's different from what we're used to. And I would say going the wraith side is more down the Joe Avenue for us at this time. Oh yeah, like I had the wraith cover, and it just looks like an action figure that would fit in with the GI Joes that were of my era, the later 80s, early 90s. So it looks like a Bat 2.0 if you first kind of glance at it. I was just going to kind of ask that. If this was your first time seeing the new Joe on the shelf and these two were side by side, what would you think that Wraith is? Is he a a Cobra, like a a new age Bat, or is he a new age kind of uh, Snake Eyes kind of looking guy? What would you probably think? would have went with bat. I probably just would have assumed that it was like you said, you know, technology, everything was even with the coloring you were mentioning a second ago, everything was computer enhanced. When they talk about this suit inside the issue in the backup story, they go into great detail about, you know, oh, it has a modem in the helmet. <laughs> and, you know, they're just throwing all the technology words that when you hear them now, they're cute and antiquated, but it's like, you know, at the time, it's like watching Captain Marvel when they go back to the 90s and everything is cutting edge 90s. This is very cutting edge 2000s, and yeah. I liked it at the time. So, oh. yeah, this was all it for me. <laughs> all right. Well, now that we got the cover description out of the way, why don't we go ahead and rate this cover on a scale of 1 to 10 flag points? 1 meaning you didn't like it at all, and 10 meaning it's perfect and you should make a recruiting poster out of it. We will start with our guest, Jason. 
Louise is, is, is excellent. Excellent. It gets better every time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all in that. Yeah, yeah. You got to have. It's a little. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for this one, I'm afraid I really didn't care for the cover. If we're going with cover A, I would give it out of. Let's see. Can I do halves? Is that a thing? No. No. <laughs> no. Was this, uh, was this Aaron Moss's show? <laughs> am I not a musical genius? Uh, not you're a- not a musical genius. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Fine then. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> let's well, see. Wait I a think- minute. How much are you paying it in the Patreon? Oh, just five. Yeah. So if he yeah. gets it to ten, we could probably let him. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So yeah, I think I would just go right in the middle and say a five. You know, it's there. I like it. I think I would like this more as a back cover for mm-hmm. when they were doing that or earlier on when you would have an image on the back of the yeah. comic. And I think it would look perfect there, but it just doesn't quite sell me on the comic. Whereas the alternate cover, I would probably give a seven at least. Okay. I'd see that. Jarrett, are you in the same range with him or a little higher or lower? Uh, probably just a little higher just because, you know, I... I I like Tommy Castillo's art mm-hmm. and I just wish he was given more of an action cover because you see his style and you can see how that would map to the old painted style of the cards for the toys and all that stuff. So I kind of wish he had been given that opportunity instead of a surrealistic cover, but I'm at a six on Tommy's cover. I think it's fine. No, no slide on Tommy. I just think it was the wrong tone at the wrong time. I think Tommy did the best he could. I think the artist is fine. I just think it's the wrong tone at the wrong time. I'm at a nine on the Michael Turner Wraith cover. I think it's incredible. So, and that's another unfortunate thing for the, you know, picking so very different styles. Yeah. And again, it's it's a very odd offbeat issue that we're about to talk about. So there's a lot that goes into that. At the end of the day, six for the A, nine for the B. Okay. I understand that. And I think on the cover alone, not knowing what this was issue was all about would be a little bit lower than what I'm going to give it. Knowing that, What's in this issue and the story that's happening, I can see this cover kind of making a little more sense now. That being said, I'm at a six with you. I, as far as the Wraith cover goes, I'm at an eight on that one. I really enjoy it just because it looks so crisp and clean. I like it. And I know what's kind of happening with the Wraith now, and I know who it is. So that gives that little extra bump up on it. So with the cover out of the way... Well, let's go back to Death Probe for the story synopsis in our mission brief. All right, we're going to do things a little differently this time. We usually run a randomizer that keeps coming up Cobra for some reason. But this issue is so kind of weird and offbeat, it doesn't really lend itself to that. So I'm just going to jump right in with the story description. So here we go. Look in the eyes of a hero And see the sacrifice within Okay, this uh, is a tough issue. After Hawk is shot by Cobra Commander last issue, he has a vision or a dream or a nightmare. It reveals Hawk's triumphs over Cobra, his addictions to service, his great love for his wife, and his tremendous pains. And his brain tries to make sense of his entire life. In the end, he awakens to find he's in a hospital with Duke, only to learn that he's paralyzed from the waist down. And the first thing he needs 
is the terrible reminder that he's not dead because that reminder comes in the form of a newspaper obituary chronicling the death of his fiance in a car crash. And then there's a backup story that shows all the cool capabilities of Wraith's armor. So there you have it, guys. <laughs> this one. Yeah. Mm. This a little one disjointed. Tough. It's a little disjointed. It's a little tough. It's a little bit of a tough read from time to time, but I think still kind of cool and well done. But hey, let's go ahead and get into our highs and lows on the issue. We will start with our guest, the Weasel Skull. Round one, high, low, what the? What are you going to do on round one, sir? My first note was that if once I figured out what was going on, I really enjoyed the switch over what I call the Wayne's World sequence. The doo 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 at I think it's the second page, the top of the second page. You kind of get this fade into the white light, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's nice. Once you understand what they're going for, once you read a couple pages in, you can look back on that. And if you didn't catch it right there at the beginning, you realize, oh, okay, diddly do, diddly do, and that's what we're in for. And it kind of helps you with the pacing of the story and the way it jumps around. It doesn't solve everything, but it it makes it fun. So I really like the way that the artist was able to render that. It's right there. You could steamroll right past it, but if you're paying attention, you know what's going on right away. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It's an interesting formatted issue, and I, I think you make some excellent comments. Let's see what Pat has to say. Well, I'm going to go and give some praise to the art in this with all that was happening, as Jason mentioned, the kind of back and forth between the dream sequences and all that's going on, I really thought the art really played nicely into this, especially in that scene where he's talking to Cobra Commander. And then when he finally gets up close and personal with him and you start to see it, it's Hawk, you know? I was like, whoa, wow. Very Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, And but it, it's really cool the way this whole story was done. And I think not only in the storytelling of it, but as well as the art layout with it as well. I think it it just enhanced the story that went on. I completely agree. I think the art in this was excellent. This is just one of those kind of weird issues because it's very much a character issue. I'm glad they did it. I think Hawk was a big enough character to devote an entire issue to digging into his mm-hmm. psyche. Yeah. I messaged both of you before we recorded this separately, just to kind of give you a heads up that this is, this is a tough issue for me. It's, mm. you know, especially mm-hmm. with my military service and the things I've seen and, and whatnot, things have happened to people I know. And it was a tough issue. It really mm. was, but I thought it was really done well and respectfully. And like I said, I think general Hawk deserved his own issue to deal with these things, but man, it was tough. It was just tough. It was tough to explore you know, especially his like addiction to the service, like it yeah. is all he consumed himself with. Let me ask that because you you talked about it in the synopsis of the newspaper article. Did that happen before? I think it was from his past. I think okay. I think he needed to see that article to make sure because he'd just been going through these realities and he wasn't sure what was real uh, and what wasn't. Okay. And I think he needed to see that. Like he he's like, I need to see this one absolutely painful memory to make sure that where I'm at now is real. Okay. Cause yeah. it made me think that man, all the service that he was doing and just his dedication, like you said to his role and responsibility was due to him losing his wife or soon to be wife. However it was, you know, that was just his drive. Now is I'm going to take care of my team and 
this is my focus throughout you know the hawk that we know yeah i think you're right mm. you saying that made me think of you know his wife was drawn to look you know it's a comic book so she's young and attractive but that probably explains it even more so that hawk himself would have been younger when he was uh-huh. married to her you know in yeah. the real world that explains somewhat of why she maybe we haven't heard of her because right. it was so long ago and i did notice too like the way she was drawn i was like she looks like she's in her early 20s and hawk is like probably in his late 40s so yeah. i was like weird <laughs> but you know um but yeah i think if we put those puzzle pieces together i think she was probably his fiance early in his military career so it could have kind of gone either way then she had the tragic accident and so he just devoted himself to defeating cobra commander like that became all he had mm-hmm. and um yeah that became who he was and as we saw in mm-hmm. another you know very artsy vision as pat mentioned they were definitely saying yes this obsession you have with cobra commander basically you are him now like that's your whole world yeah. it's just you and him and him and you anyway i've had my round it is back to the weasel skull for round two one of my highs of this issue, just to kind of piggyback on what you guys were talking about, is the Cobra Commander was just one of my favorite characters, even in this dream issue. And that that's really deep if you think about this as this is the Cobra Commander that exists in Hawk's mind. And he was the more interesting character in an issue all about Hawk until I heard you, Jared, explain a little bit of, you know, what Hawk was going through. I think. I think you said something was off for you earlier, and I think it's the pacing. I think the pacing of this issue, I don't know if it needs to be faster or shorter, to be honest with you. I could see this stretched out into a six-issue arc quite well, and I could see this you know, maybe compressed a little bit more so that we understand a little sooner about it. But the Cobra Commander writing, he just comes across as the ultimate villain, and I think we've all got that ultimate version of a villain whether it's an actual Cobra commander or insert your least favorite person here, sometimes we can create our own worst version of that person that lives in our head. And it was an interesting character study to see Cobra commander through Hawk's eyes and see how nasty he was. But yeah, that's when I got the villains have always made my blood pump in GI Joe. I was always the Cobra kid. So it's (laughs) nice to see them. When I saw him get his shots in at Hawk, I was like, ooh, 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 low blows, but mm, they hit. You know, I think that's what's kind of nice about the writing that's been in this series is you get that Joe versus Cobra, but us as the middle person watching the story unfold from either side, we have investments on certain characters on either side. You know, I right. like right. Destro's pretty cool guy, you know, even though he's sneaky and snaky, he's still a cool guy that you're like, yeah, you go, you know, I, I want to see you have some revenge and, you know, Storm Shadow and just all these different characters on the villain side that we kind of tend to lean into these guys a little bit more and girls as well, too. It has some really cool backstories going on on either side just to make them who their character is. And I, I really like that. Well said, Pat. Yeah, this is such an odd issue. It's a, it it's is. a, it's a, yeah. it's a character study, fever dream issue. But again, I, I just like the way it was executed. It's, you know, I, we talk I, about filler, Pat. I don't even think yeah, it's really you filler. Know, that's what I'm trying to, th- I, I was like, I didn't know what I was to expect out of this one. Because I just 
opened it up and I'm like, okay, well, let's read it and see. I know Cobra Commander got shot. Where are we ending it? They did a nice recap in the beginning of it to put you right at that point. And then it goes into this story. And for a little bit, I'm like, oh, wow, this really stuff happened that they said. You know, we caught him. We did this. We weren't letting them get away. That's good character moment on Duke's part because of all that led up in the issues before. I was like, yeah, I'm believing this, you know, because Duke got knocked down for being this overzealous kind of a guy. And Yeah, they duped me at the beginning too, Pat. Yeah. I've read this before, so that's a double dupage right there. <laughs> it's filler or like a you know transition-y kind of thing, but I think it was good. And we've seen, you know, there was issue 43 was kind of a good flashback of the original series where it was Snake Guy's stalker talking with Fred, the Crimson Guard guy. I know they're all kind of reminiscing about where they were and where they became. So this one kind of reminds me of that one as well, too, a little bit where you get a little more background story on the characters, what brought Hawk through all this. And yeah, it's good. uh, Definitely a heart issue. Just hits you in the heart, makes you feel for the characters. Jerwad, I think, did a great job with it. That is about it for our rounds, official rounds. But has anybody got anything else I need to talk about on this book? Uh, you know what? Let me be a little bit leading. Let's talk about the Wraith backstory. <laughs> Jason Keene, Wraith backstory. What do you think? Oh, my God. Yes. This is the main part of the book. This is what I bought the cover for. This is the cover I've got. <laughs> this was the fun new toy that I wanted to get if they would have made one at the time when I was still buying the toys. Or if they want to make one now, they probably have a few. But- uh-huh. I'd buy yeah. one. so yeah this was such a cool suit i go back and forth on the technological aspects of the suit because when you read them now it's like we were saying earlier it's that antiquated future tech it's like you're walking into tomorrowland and walt disney world where everything is from the future 50 years ago so this suit is cutting edge and they're making all this point of telling you how it stays invisible when the point i've realized as i've gotten older i don't care you could come up with whatever and just say it's invisible and i, I don't need all the tech answers <laughs> but i like that they're there in that kind of star trekky let's explain the unexplainable kind of way yeah he's a fun character fun suit and the story is amazing oh man where they bring in the guys and like, oh, Destro would like to talk to you. And now we've talked. (laughs) It's like, it reminded me of that scene from Goldfinger where Goldfinger like lays out his entire plan and then kills everybody in the room. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, this this is the whole thing. You're all here because I had the miniatures made. If, if right. the made already, I probably wouldn't bother, but yeah. So. But I, I spent good money on You this. know how long it took me painting these things? Oh, oh man. I had to go I mean, back, to back twice to get all the blue. <laughs> this whole backstory is is really just an exposition dump so they could talk about the cool tech that you mentioned earlier in the show, Jason. The cool circa 2002 technology, right? Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. As we learned from when we had... Josh Blaylock on the show. Josh was very much a techie guy. He told us he subscribed to Tech Magazine, so he mm-hmm. wanted to stay on the edge. And I know he didn't write this issue, but I'm certain he's sitting there in the offices or sending emails back and forth with Jerwa about, you know, let's really pump the tech of the time. Like you said, Jason, like on one hand, it's funny to laugh at it, look back and laugh. Like I, I may have a 56K modem or something. <laughs> I, don't remember. I don't remember what it was, but it was like, yeah. 
hit spot but, for three floppy disks. <laughs> you know, but also a certain charm to it. But uh, anyways, Pat, yeah. we didn't get your official thoughts on the backstory. I'm like Jason. I thought it was really good. It kind of came to an end of everything that had happened with the suit. We got to see the suit in adventure over the last few other short stories that this was a part of. And then to see the ending of what happened with it, you got to see Destro's son and his girlfriend again. You got to see Major Blood and Scrap Iron kind of just in the doorway again. And then just, yeah, we're going to tell you about this. And okay, no one's ever going to know. <laughs> just the readers. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. A very uh, emotionally charged character study main story with a little tech expo dump backstory but all still well done and with that i hand it back to christados for the ig's report of the combat readiness of this issue and for those of you who don't speak military that means we're going to score this issue story on the same one to ten flag point scale we used earlier so jason with that one to ten what would you give this issue Ah, uh, you know, I struggle with this one because I really went back and forth. Uh, I know Jared was talking earlier about what an odd issue this is, so I don't know what number to give it because the tech suit, if it was all the tech suit story, the story's a 10. The stuff that we got about Hawk is so good, but it's paced so poorly. I think there's one page where like his beard is used to show growth in the story twice on the same page one where he grew it and another time <laughs> where he shaved it he's <laughs> like it's the future so i think that is going to drag my score down lower i think there's a good story there but overall i'm going to go with a six for the story that's fair jared are you at his level are you a little bit higher uh, i agree with him and it's a tough one to score but at the end of the day, when I look back on this issue and I see this cover, whether it be cover A or cover B, I'm going to remember it. And I'm going to remember its emotional impact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, it's very personal to me. Mm -hmm. So to me, with no further explanation, I'm giving it a 10. Yo, Joe! Oh, okay. Wow. I, wow. I wasn't expecting you to be that high, but. Yo, Joe. Yeah. Hey, if a comic can make me feel. Yeah. It's a 10. Okay. I appreciate that. that. I can appreciate that so much. That's that's amazing. I'm glad it got something for you. I agree with you on, on some of the stuff. The feelings that it gave me, like I said, going into it, I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't thinking it was going to be that kind of a, a story, but it was. And I think with the Wraith at the end of it, it gave you a good balance, a little bit of you know some heart, some sadness, some understanding, and then you got a little bit of Kind of the actiony, up pacey kind of story you want. You needed, yeah, a little pick me up at the end. <laughs> it was very helpful. So I'm going to give it an eight. I thought it was that pretty solid of one. And you're right, Jared. This will be a story that I will remember when I see the cover. Now something just occurred to me, and again, I don't want to take a bunch of time to talk about this, but it just occurred to me. I I read this before, as we mentioned, when it came out back in what oh two oh three, and to me it was just another story. But between that. Reading and this reading, I went to war. So, oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, new perspective. Wow, and I will leave it at that. I, I don't want to push you, Jared, but I just want to say thank you for sharing that because in my day job, I teach English at a high school. So I talk to my students all the time about 
reading something more than once and what you can get out of it years later and what you remember out of the first time you read it and then who you are years later. I read To Kill a Mockingbird every year <laughs> and I'm still finding things hmm. in that text that surprise and speak to me. And I like that. Yeah, I like so that. I can definitely feel you on getting something on a different level because of life experiences. So that's cool, man. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I think that's what can define a good story or some of the components of good storytelling is that it's something that you can take at one age, read it, and then, as Jason said, read it again or maybe read it multiple times throughout your life, and you're going to see different aspects of that writing come into play. Whether that's the actual writer doing it or is it maybe just some subliminal you know, our human mind just thinking of different things of the way it is. It's, I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. It's what makes this an art form. Yep. Truly. And now it's time to award this episode's Silver Star Medal or Silver Snake for Sneaky Snakeitude, either for gallantry in action or Sneaky Snakeitude. This is where we each get to award the character in this issue who went above and beyond the call of duty. So this is going to be a tough one. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, your choices are pretty much like Hawk or the Wraith (laughs) or maybe Alexander and Armada. I don't know. know, So let's go ahead and find out, Jason. Who are you? Beautiful, beautiful. I, I know, it's like it's I'm just back like... in the motherland. Um, <laughs> this is beautiful. I'll leave the main ones for you guys. I'm going to give a silver star to Duke because Duke is there uh, for Hawk. And uh, yeah. he's just, you know, he's a good friend. And I never served. I never had that luxury. I was never part of the service, but I know the people who were in it and they have that brotherhood, that bond. And you can see that. The way Hawk dismisses him and Duke walks out, there's no love loss. It's all understanding. It's, yeah, man, I'm here when you need me. And, yeah, I I felt some feels there. So I'm going to throw one out. I don't usually, I'm not a big Joe guy, more Cobra, and I've definitely never been a big Duke fan. But this was a shining moment for Duke. That's a nice one. Good pick, Jared. Now, you see how I tried to sway you guys. I was like, you either got to give it to Hawk or the Wraith. And I purposefully didn't mention Duke because oh. I was going to give it to Duke. Jason Keane's a son of a. <laughs> <laughs> my little ploy didn't work at all. But I will say this: that was my only minor picadillo with the uh-huh. issue story. That it was Duke that was there, and I've always felt, you know, going back to the '80s, I really felt like when he woke up for reals, for reals. Mm-hmm. I think who should have been there should have been Stalker and Snake Eyes because those three were always like the, they were like the first three. Joe's. They're really? there in the dream sequence at the podium when he mm-hmm. gets there and like, oh, the Joes came back and you couldn't keep people away. And I thought that part was really cool. Yeah, I kind of wish that Stalker and Snake Eyes would have been there for the wake up moment. Yeah. But I also get it in terms of this storyline because, you know, he and Hawk had that rift, a pretty oh, big yeah, rift a couple issues yeah, yeah. ago, and this kind of helps repair that. So anyway, Jason, you look like you were going to say something. Oh, no, I was just going to say I was going to retract my Silver Star and give him <laughs> Snake. For sneaking in and 
you know, the spot of, you know, <laughs> spot. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it works both ways. But he's kind of CIA, you know, yeah, true. In, in so true. It, that works both ways. No, I, I absolutely adore that Jason King picked up on that and gave the uh, Silver Star to Duke. So I'm going to do the very obvious thing and give the Silver Star to Hawk. This is Hawk's book. This is Hawk's moment, although it's not his heroic moment. True. It's, I mean, he is a hero, but it's a tough moment. But I like how Duke was there for him, and it almost felt like we, the readers, were there for him. So I'm giving yeah. the Silver Star, the very obvious Silver Star, to General Hawk, and I will pass it to you, Pat. I won't belay this any longer. I'm going to agree with you, too. It was Hawk for me. But when Jason said Duke, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's a good one. It was. It was excellent. So both of them, great picks. I'm going to choose both now that, that I can do that's that. That's how you're doing yes, it? Like, yeah. That's sort of a Joe November <laughs> <laughs> see i found a loophole i found a loophole it's not a half it's a double it's a full it's a full loop is that the full circle right there <laughs> all right well will allow it so yes <laughs> all right well with that why don't we go ahead and talk to Jarrett about his toy chest in a segment we call death probes toy chest it's here the gi joe collection each sold separately gi joe from hasbro all right in this segment i will take something or someone featured this issue and give you a brief toy history on it and for this issue it was particularly difficult because it's a very general hawk issue and i dedicated last episode <laughs> to general hawk <laughs> and i was like okay we've i think we've already done do so I was like, who haven't I done? And it's his wife, isn't it? It's got to be his wife. <laughs> it's actually, I couldn't believe it. I went back in my records and we've never done Cobra Commander. And as oh. Jason Keane pointed out, <gasps> Cobra Commander has kind of a cool moment in we this uh, part of this, you know, part of Duke's psyche, as we've talked about. So uh, he, he could have got the sneaky snakitude for that. In the, perhaps, perhaps, yes. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk Cobra Commander from the toy chest. It's G.I. Joe against Cobra the Enemy. Don't let Cobra Commander get away. G.I. Joe! It's Cobra Commander! He's stealing our missiles! Well, get him, rock and roll! Here comes Grand Slam! He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe! American hero! We saved the missiles, but you gotta get up early to catch Cobra. Cobra Commander and G.I. Joe figures and equipment each sold separately from Hasbro. He is, of course, the enemy leader. His specialties are intelligence and ordnance. Who remembered that from his original file card? Intelligence and ordnance are his military specialties. Ordnance? There's no order with him. No, ordnance. Oh. That makes sense because he never got blown up. And that <laughs> should have happened. So it's somewhere he was keeping an eye on things. Amazing. So. Yeah. Here's a description of his original figure. He had the light blue uniform with the black boots, the black gloves, and the black belts. He had the red cobra emblem on his chest and the silver face mask under the blue helmet. His accessories included a black laser pistol, which could be mounted to his back. He was originally a male-away figure. And oh, by the way, if you're a Big Joe collector, you will know that the first run of figures in 82 had the straight arm and they added the swivel arm in 1983. This Cobra Commander Mailaway was the last straight arm figure they ever made. He was first released in 1982, and he was discontinued in 1985, if you count the 1.5 swivel arm version. This one blew me away, fellas. He also came exclusively with the Sears Mail Order Missile Command Headquarters. Mm. I had to look that Ooh. up. <laughs> I was like, what is that? It's weird. 
Go Google Cobra Missile Command Headquarters. I've never laid eyes on one in my life. Hmm. It's not great either. It's not, it's not a great toy. It's like made of cardboard. Oh, oh is it? Yeah, it's like a cardboard fold thing. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, I've got more pictures. Is it like a diorama y kind of? Yeah, a, yeah. yeah. All, all the cardboard is like, here, yeah, you can it, put your guy in this background. Totally. It's made of cardboard. You could only get it in the Sears mail away catalog. I mean, it makes it rare. I mean, I'm looking at one on yeah, yeah. eBay right now where dude's asking 500 bucks for it. I don't Ooh. know if he's going to get it, but <laughs> drop it. Drop it like his house. I'll do 300 for you. <laughs> I'll go 350 tops. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, that's the Sears Missile Command headquarters that came with Cobra Commander. Now, as usual, I'll wrap this up by telling you how many versions there are of it. This is one of the most popular figures. We've talked about this before. Snake Eyes, Duke, Cobra Commander are the big three because they get more versions made of anybody else. At the time of this recording, which is late July 2022, there are 57 versions of Cobra Commander if you count the uh, swivel arm as, as one. But 57 total versions wow. of Cobra Commander. Crazy. Damn. Now to do the around the room. We probably all owned a Cobra Commander. So I'll ask you this. Did you own the original one that we talked about, the Silver Mask? And if not, which was the version you had? And uh, we'll start with the, as Pat would say. That's just insulting. That you <laughs> Mother. Jeez. Uh, um... <laughs> Yeah, I didn't have the original one because, uh, yeah, I guess it was out of, not print, out of, uh, what's the term that you would use? Publication? Out of stock? Circulation? Circulation. There we go. That's a word. I'm an English teacher. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah, I never saw that one. I never saw the hooded one. I had the armored version of Cobra Commander. Uh Uh Cobra Commander was frontline kicking butt and taking names even though he was a bit of a weenie in the cartoon my cobra commander was always right up front oh the armored one that was like what 86 or 87 something like that yeah back, yeah somewhere, somewhere in there yeah late 80s yeah i like that version though i do I'm yeah, so yeah. It, it hits my nostalgia button i love it pat original cobra commander or what, what which one did you have i don't think i had original at all i've had the one like jason had the the armored one cobra commander I have seen both the hooded and the shield one with friends around the neighborhood when we would all get together with our G.I. Joe toys. Some of them were able to, you know, have that Cobra Commander. So I was able to touch and feel them and, you know, play with them. (laughs) How iconic is the original figure? You know, you got just what the coloring that they do on it. It's so used in other, you know, villains nowadays and things like that where, whoever designed these earlier ones kind of knew how to grab and make these guys look really cool. I think it was a guy named Ron Rudat who did the design on that. I may be wrong, but I know he designed a lot of the earlier ones. I was lucky enough to get to sit two tables down from him at uh, Mm. Joe Fest uh, last year. And yeah, what a cool, nice guy too. Very friendly, but you're right. What an iconic look. And uh, it may shock you to know, uh, I do have, and I did have the mm-hmm. silver mask one, and I had the hooded one, Ooh. and I had the battle armor. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so, did you ever get a snake and put a helmet on it and let it slither away? Was a man. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, is what he talked about his design, Pat. One of my most liked tweets ever. I don't know if you remember this one, Pat. 
But yes. we have this mixer and it has a silver bowl and my wife keeps it on top of the fridge and she doesn't want things to fall in it. So she puts this blue towel over it and with the blue towel over the silver bowl, I swear it looks like over Twitter. <laughs> and I tweeted that out one time and that tweet got like, I don't know, a couple thousand likes or something like that. Oh it got, it got fire. God, it's it. one of those, only a real Joe fan will see this. <laughs> yeah, only a real Joe fan knows it's on top of my refrigerator and it's still there. I can go show you right now and every time I look at it, I'm like, over Commanders right there. <laughs> so stupid. Do you have a lot of grape soda in your fridge? <laughs> I actually oh, finished we... my last bottle today, my oh. friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming together. All right, enough about my stupid tweets. Let me give it back to Pat. We'll get into combat comms. All right, next up is our feedback segment called Combat Comms. As always, we'll start off Combat Comms with a roster of our battle hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks that have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy early access to special long box video episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more. So, these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Bill Bear. Blast it. Or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. I did think I hear something knocking. Clinton Robinson? Don't answer that. Nope. Dave Collins, codename Battlewagon. Battlewagon. Ezra Gallo. Gary Viola. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Now, this is an interesting point in the <laughs> podcast. Point the show. Yeah, <laughs> it, what do we do here? Jared Albrecht on mine. I don't know, but... <laughs> Jason Keene? Yeah, Jason Keene. All right, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, it's a witness. You, you don't sound too sure on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. Moving on. <laughs> Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Mark Ross, a.k.a. Cluck Trent. Maxwell Trapp. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey 67. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And the Toronto Cop. Law and Order of the North. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it all straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? How other people, other non-Jasons. Sure. It could become a member, Pat. Is that possible? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. Oh. It's simple. Just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get all the access to the amazing world of the Crusader Club. I mean, all the access. He Come means that I haven't left since last time. That is true. Jason Keene is still around here getting all of that access. <laughs> We're all about that access. 
Now, let's go ahead and see what messages from our platoon of loyal listeners we have waiting for us on Breakers Comsat. Communications officer, code name Breaker. These are from episodes 31 and 32, where we featured issues 31 and 32. Rick Heineken and Aaron Moss were on those shows. I'll kick us off, Pat, with a comment from G.I. Gary. He said, what a falcon good episode. What a falcon good G.I. Joe comic book. <laughs> hashtag yo, Joe. Hashtag Orsted getting love in the comments. Oh, Orsted. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Man. How's Orsted doing today, man? Orsted probably had a hard time with this one, man. This is a hard issue to read for yeah. a guy like Orsted. You know, Orsted was like, you know, man, this one really hit me in my feels. It's like a bummer, man. I just had to go to my little quiet place alone and just kind of relax and just chill, man. Absolutely. Sometimes you just gotta look at the stars, man. And like, yeah. Man, and just, just remember that, like, nothing is that important. No. Right. Know, yeah, you know, we're all just <laughs> dust in the wind, man. Yeah. Just let you it know. go. Yeah. These are your Orsted thoughts for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm done touching stuff now. I think I'm going to leave. Okay. <laughs> well, we figured out how to get Jason to leave. Pat, hit us with another okay. comment. All right. I will take one from Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack because the Power Pack can't stop. And I believe this is Rick. And he says, as talked about on the show, he shows us a picture of the action figures of Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow in a duel, which I believe was the 25th anniversary. Of yeah, like a two-pack. Yeah. Two-pack. But behind it, what he did is took a page that Jarrett drawed on with half Snake Eyes head and half Storm Shadow's head and placed it in the background of it. And it really looks cool. Yeah, he really honored me with that one. And he's very crafty like that. You know, he's done, he's done some crafty things like that with some of my art in the past. Yeah, he slit that package opening. I think there was a comic back there and he either put it over it or he like swapped it out and makes my mediocre art look pretty darn good in that packaging. If anyone's listening from Hasbro, we can work a deal on this. <laughs> we can certainly start selling them this way. <laughs> I think that could be like the next tier on the thing they try to unlock. Isn't that the Hasbro? There you go. Yeah, the Hasbro thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to get the yard sale artist unlockable tiers of all the figures so that we get new box art. Come Are on. you listening, Hasbro? Are you listening? Since the Hasbros, they can do one for Orsted, you're like, come on, bros. Yeah, man. But, you know, just, you guys are just all about the profit, man. You know, let's do a charity one, man. Yeah, just, just hey, maybe if you gave your figures away, man. I mean, just relax. I'd like to buy a world a Joe, you know? Coke did it. Why can't you? Yeah, I just want to buy the world of Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Speaking of which, let me bring back G.I. Gary one more time. He said, be a hero. Hashtag listen in and interact. Another Falcon Good Podcast. Hashtag vibing with Orsted. Hashtag yo, Joe. We try to throw a little Orsted in every episode now because we know we have listeners out there that love our laid back Orsted. Yay. Hey, Hasbro, give me a call on that package. And since it was Rick's idea and like he did the, the actual craft work to make it happen, I will cut him in for a good 2% of profit. That's fair. More than generous. More, More than, than generous. generous. <laughs> I don't know, man. It seems like Rick worked hard enough. More than 2%. Oh, no, forgot you, Orsted. All right. <laughs> Pat, tell them where they can call us. Well, as a reminder, if you want to send in a voicemail and leave your comments on the show 
or one or questions for Orsted to answer. Or questions for Orsted. Yeah. If you want to, you know, dear Orsted, you got a dear Orsted question that you want to know and good advice on, go ahead and you can call us and leave us that question on our voicemail line at 707 532 5269. That number again is 707 532 LBOX. Pick the phone. We'll be right back, man. <laughs> As a reminder on that phone number, by the way, if you just want to call in and drop us a Yo Joe, we will add you to the Yo Joe that we do on the outro. Jason Keene gets to be on the outro Yojo this time, but anybody who calls in gets to be on every Yojo outro. So get those calls in 707-532-5269 and hit us with a Yojo and then ask your Orsted question however you like. Anyways, that brings us to mission complete status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. If you want to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movie serials, and more, check out the entire Longbox Crusade Network. DJ Cristados, where can they find that? Well, Jared, I am glad you asked. You can find us on the Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most podcatchers out there. We're at www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and at YouTube, all at longboxcrusade.com. Back to you, Jared. And if you like to chat with us online, we can be found personally at Back to You, Pat. Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Back to you, Jared. Ah, all right then. I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com, where I do have several of those G.I. Joe drawings on pages from an army manual, much like we talked about that Rick did some crafts work with. So come check those out. Maybe order a few. Let me feed my family. You know, maybe. For just pennies a day, you two could support the yard sale. You know what? Let me hand it over to the Weasel Skull. Where can people find you if they want to chat with you, man? Sir, I am revamping the King Comics podcast, so keep your ears open on your, all your podcatchers. But if anybody would like to talk a little Avengers, especially the Brown Jacket Avengers, and you want to give me a shout-out, my Gmail is Jason Keen. 1717 at gmail.com if you'll just send me a message there we might get you on the show or just have fun chatting about the best era of avengers ever the leather jacket i love it all right everybody thanks for joining us for this episode of gi joe chronicles the devil's due years we will see you back on the battlefield next episode where we will cover issue number 34 bad moon rising part one of two until then platoon fall out yo joe The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Codename. She's never been on the show. She doesn't have a code name. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get her on the show. I guess so. Code name, no code name. Code name, no code name. Oh, no, no, what she could be called? Lady K. Lady K. Oh, code name, Lady K. I like it. That's a good one, Pat. Good one. Yo, Joe, man. Yeah, just like, yeah, man. Like, yo, Joe, or 
whatever. You know? Yojo. You know? <laughs> Yolo, Yojo. Yo, Yojo, man. You Yolo. only Jill once, man. <laughs> right. It's like, wow. Like my brother, man. My brother Destro, man. Just. It's like he's got a metal face. This <laughs> is a girl. It's like, yeah. Is he hot? Does he get metal shavings in it? I'm like, I don't. I just worry about it, man. Like it's, you know, it's not good for your. Can get acne. Yeah, his complexion's gonna be bad. And our parents were like, when we got older, they were like, we're gonna give Destro the Failey mask. And I was like, all right, yeah. I mean, wash it out first before you give it to him. You know? Did they wash it? I, I have. I have a mask too, but it's like made of all natural plant minerals, and I wear it when I sleep, and it really exfoliates me. I don't need that metal mask, man. That's that's my brother's thing, man. He looks good in it. Lotion. He's got to have lotion. Yeah, he's got to use a lot of lotion. <laughs> just just banking up horsehead outtakes at this point. <laughs> you know, I'm still really proud of him. And it really warms my heart when he wears that necklace I made from fifth grade <laughs> for him. <laughs> Only a brother would do that, man. <laughs> I know that the mice chewed off some of the macaroni, but it is <laughs> That little red uh, piece of plastic glass thing, man. It was a reflector off my bike. <laughs> I remember that day he would, man, that he would just was helping us out. Oh, he used to help me ride my bike, and I just wanted to pay him back with this. <laughs> he still wears that necklace. Yeah. <laughs> that bike was never the same. 